0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to our very first flex fight series recap show. This is just days removed now from flex fight series 13 live from the Melrose ballroom in Queens. And it was a spectacular show. I am TJ Ragusa, and I'm here to review all of the action with sensei James Leonelli. James, how are you
1: today? I'm doing great. After a night of fights like that, it is hard to be doing bad.
0: <laughs> Most certainly. And you and I had the pleasure of calling the prelims where we're talking about it through the uh, throughout the prelims that out of the six out of the eight fights that we called, we got to see six finishes. It was an unbelievable night. It all continued on the main card. There were knockouts. There were more submissions. Every fight was competitive. And really, when you look at those prelims, starting from the top, I mean, the, the tone was set right at the beginning with Czech Thierro versus Stanislav Rockoff. Super competitive fight. And the Arrow was able to pull it out at the end. What were your thoughts on that one?
1: I was first of all, I was so taken by Stanislav's kicking ability. Man, this kid, his the dexterity in his legs was unbelievable. And then he, he seemed to be in the stand-up battle, but then we come to the third round and he decides to show off his wrestling prowess coming from the camp that he does FAA in Connecticut, training under Nick Newell, uh, MMA is Jim Abbott. I'll make that reference again, even though it seemed to <laughs> fall a little flat during the broadcast. Uh, it, I knew he was going to have a great wrestling background. He took, he took check down beautifully. The first time gave him a little bit of space and in the ensuing scramble, went for a second shot on that second shot, left his head hanging for just a little too long And from the jaws of defeat, victory was snatched. It was, it it was one of those awesome. It it was one of those kind of fights that if you have a friend who's interested in MMA and they want to know what it's all about, you show them that because like it's that Cinderella story. It's awesome.
0: Absolutely. It was a high level scrap and we said it on the broadcast. We thought that check needed to get that finish in order to win the fight. It was a standing guillotine. Like you mentioned, he pulled it out as Rockoff was re-entering on that shot late in the third round. And, that, that all continued, that submissions were uh, were the theme of the night, and actually another third-round submission in the following fight, Ramel Anderson and Jesus Amaro. Amaro was able to pull that one out by submission late in the third round after being ahead in a lot of the action in the fight. What were your thoughts on that
1: one? Again, that was a fight where I was I didn't know a lot about Jesus. We've, we've had Ramel fight in our cage before, and tough guy, great single leg, um, just super good grappler. He, he got a little bit out wrestled in his previous fight. But what surprised me is Jesus didn't strike me as the most athletic guy in the world when I took a look at him. But man, his grappling ability was so good. I know the lineage that Ramel Anderson comes from. He, he's, uh, his trainer is a black belt under uh, Alexandre Soka. So you know he's got great jiu jitsu roots. And to see Jesus be able to pass his guard, be able to uh, eventually secure a submission. It was funny. It, it was one of those things where it was like, not quite, not quite, not quite. There it is. As of submissions go, I, f- I forget what, what the reference is now. But it, oh, it's a Family Guy reference. Almost, almost. There it is. <laughs> but that was the thing. That Americana was tight. It was snug. It was here. And as soon as that hand fell from in line with the shoulder, back. That was it. It was a wrap. But beautiful grappling on display from Jesus Amaro. Beautiful.
0: Certainly. And something to be appreciated about the performance from Morrow, as we mentioned, he seemed to be ahead going into the third round, but he was not content to leave it to the judges' scorecards. He chased that finish and, like you said, got the Americana late in the third round.
1: You love to see that. When a fighter doesn't give up on the idea of finishing the fight just because they're ahead, they don't want to cruise. They're just going. They're trying trying to get out of there the whole time. That's awesome.
0: And in similar fashion, Rosalina E.K., in her MMA debut, taking on a veteran and Jennifer Lubick. She pulled off a similar result, a third round rear naked choke in their flyweight bout, the third bout of the evening at Flex Fight Series
1: 13. And, man, Jennifer Lubick, anytime we bring her up, I have to bring up her gym because uh, she just inspires me. Like, as someone who runs a gym myself, uh, I, I know what this what martial arts can do for youngsters, and that's what she does. Her gym is is uh, her Jim Ramirez Boys Fight Club is all about community service you don't pay money dues there you pay community service dues there which i think is such a cool and noble thing so i'm always inspired when she gets in the cage and i always want the best for her but she ran into a hammer in rosalie here man (laughs) you you saw rose and again i look at her record first fight i'm like okay how are we going to be you know debuting fighters you always have that question mark is the are they going to be nervous is it going to affect their skills she looked like a veteran She had the amazing jab we always see out of the fighters and a Carsonella MMA. She put things together so well. To me, that was the most impressive part about her performance. Not just her striking, not just her jujitsu, but the way that things melded together. She would go from a beautiful striking combination to a beautiful takedown. She'd defend something into a takedown. She'd get on the breaks. I don't know if you remember the knees. Do you remember the knees, (laughs) TJ? Absolutely, (laughs) and
0: the clinch on the break.
1: You and I were just holding our bodies every time she landed one of those knees. On the break. boom, boom, oh! (laughs) Like, man, the girl put everything together so well. I was very impressed by her, especially for a debuting fighter.
0: As was I, and you mentioned the representation, Carnicella MMA. She's a very high-level training partner in our strawweight champion, Mariah Castro. The jab, like you said, was on point. It was incredible to watch, and one of those... Recurring themes we tend to see out of all their fighters. You see it out of um, out of Jared Braun, out of the aforementioned Mariah Castro, out of Conor Wojak, out of countless others. Goka and Car- uh, Carnicella MMA really starting to build up an impressive resume and a uh, impressive streak of wins here in Flex Fight Series. But
1: by the way, can, can we just, from- can we all agree that Conor is, is is the real life Clark Kent, that gives Superman? <laughs> <laughs> I was watching when Xander was interviewing him. I'm like, my God, that man is just an Adonis. He's huge. <laughs> like, I'm not that small of a guy. And I was like, good Lord.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, he is a big man. And, um, you know, they don't exactly invite small people to come play uh, defensive line in the NFL. That's where it is. So his history is obviously a lot of uh, athleticism that he possesses. But the theme of the night continued in the fourth fight of the evening. Christian Garcia was able to get the better of Christopher Numa in round number one of their featherweight bout at Flex Fight Series 13. How did you see that one, James?
1: I was just impressed. <laughs> there, was, there was no better word for that fight than just impressive. Um, back and forth, the, their grappling was very impressive. Um, I found myself, because I made the joke early on the broadcast, but I knew Chris was going to win because we had Christian versus Christopher. Uh, and I had to keep going back and forth to be like, okay, is that red corner? Is that blue? Is that red? Is that blue? Just to see who was on top because man, they were trading positions back and forth. There'd be a scramble. Somebody else would get a takedown just impressive back and forth. And to see anybody be able to catch a submission in that much scrambling was impressive, but both these guys should keep their head up after what a performance. I, I can't think of a guy in the 145 class, who's going to want to get in the cage with either one of them after that performance.
0: Certainly not. After that performance, they have both made a case to be fighters to be feared in this division. Christopher Numa, unfortunately, still looking for the first win of his amateur career, but Christian Garcia was able to move to one and oh, in his debut, like you mentioned high level grappling. And again, for guys so early in their career, it's really impressive to see it shows all the time in the gym. Garcia was able to find that one moment, as you mentioned, where he locked in the rear naked choke, but Again, a high-level contest on both sides. And another fight that was finished by Rear Naked Choke happened in the fifth fight of the evening. Eric Gonzalez was able to get past David Gomez in their 130-pound catchweight feature in round number two.
1: Again, okay, just a, a, a more great jujitsu on display. You know, as someone who, who who teaches this to people of all ages, when you see good technique, it's really hard to be upset by good technique. And this is just another fight filled with really really good technique. It was funny. It was almost, they had the unfortunate, uh, the unfortunate luck of coming right after the battle of the Chris's where we were so that everything else after that was going to be a slight step down in action because how in the world anybody could have kept the pace that the Chris's did? I don't know, but these guys certainly delivered. And again, what a great job in Eric Gonzalez in in catching that submission. Great technique, beautifully finished, really good work.
0: And Eric is one of those guys when you look at up and down the flex fight series roster. He has five fights under his belt now against some high level competition. He has a win over Steve Lee, which is an excellent win. Aaron Brito, Pedro Villa. He, lo- he got the uh, losing end of both of those fights. However, both very high level competition there that he's I'm sure taking lessons from learned from, but he's broken the losing streak now with this rear naked choke at flex fight series 13. And we finally did have a decision on the night in the sixth fight of the evening. And That fight was hardly disappointing as a decision. It was very competitive back and forth action between Jake Marino and Dejan Pharrell Francis. Pharrell Francis, another fighter out of the aforementioned Ramirez Boys Fight House, doing some great work down there, putting together some great quality fighters. And Jake Marino was just, unfortunately, the better fighter on this night. What what did you have on this middleweight feature in the sixth fight of the evening?
1: Both of us, uh, when when these guys walked out to the cage, the both of us commented, these guys are enormous for middleweights. Jake Marino, like, I walk around at 185 pounds. I look at Jake Marino, I'm like, that guy weighed the same as me even for five seconds? Like, it was, I, I, he didn't look like he was the same size as me back in fifth grade. <laughs> he was such a big, man, again, dominant wrestling on display. It, it's been a while since Jake had been in the cage. If I recall, it, it had been several years. We were looking at his first fight um, since 20 of 2017, I believe. And, um, man, it didn't look like he missed a day. His wrestling was on point, did an amazing job of maintaining top position, keeping the fight at the distance that he wanted. Anytime Dijon started to get a little something going on his feet, Jake was right back on him. right? stuck to him like Velcro and, and just imposed his will. Really, really impressive stuff.
0: And you have to imagine a lot of that really comes from the, uh, the hard rounds of sparring in practice with his training partner and teammate, Russell Petito. We'll get to Russell, a little bit later on the card, but there's some high-level wrestling going on at No Limits Kickboxing, and there's also some high-level wrestling going on at BK MMA. Kaja Maharaja had a huge win, extending his winning streak now to two fights in a row, getting the guillotine choke at 45 seconds of round number one over Al Pringle in their welterweight feature at Flex Fight Series 13.
1: Again, another case where somebody walked in a cage and I'm like, that guy's 170 pounds? Enormous, just big, built, and what I was very impressed with with Kaha was his ability to fight long. As a guy who's a little bit on the rangy side, more than a little bit, I always can appreciate when someone uses their range well. And Kaha did everything right with his footwork, with his stance, with where he was keeping his hands, where he was keeping his lead leg, to make Al Pringle feel the reach disadvantage even more. There's certain things that you can do as a tall rangy guy that make you feel even taller than you were, and it, that way that person's even more on their heels. And Al's feeling like he can't even get in. Kaja ca- catches him a couple of times, his Al's trying to break the distance, leaves his head hanging for a second, and that was all that 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 second was all Kaha needed. A wonderful job.
0: So a really impressive <laughs> performance from Kaja Maharaja. He extends the winning streak now to two, and in the. Main event of the preliminary card, the final fight on the prelims, the eighth fight of the evening. Eli Guzman was able to pick pick up a split decision win over Russell Petito in a fight that potentially ended with some controversy. We had some thoughts about it on the broadcast, and there was a lot said about it after the card that we'll get to. But what were your thoughts in the moment when we were watching this fight?
1: About the fight itself, I was very impressed with Russell as per normal. I I, I had the pleasure of commentating on him uh, previously. And again, another great fighter coming out of No Limits, kickboxing, great jujitsu on display as per usual from Russell, um, Eli made it a tough fight. You know, he, he, uh, he, he does have a fight under his belt with Russell's teammate, Devin worth. He didn't come out on the winning end of that fight. You know, he did lose to Devin worth, but maybe that experience gave him some tools and he was certainly active on the ground watching the fight in the moment. I didn't feel as though he had done enough to win a decision, but I always feel that when you're watching a fight in the moment, especially in the crowd, that the emotion of the crowd can certainly uh affect what you're seeing it can certainly affect your judgment so i haven't had the opportunity to watch this fight back yet and i really i don't want to comment too much on the decision uh until i have the opportunity to, to watch it back but certainly in the moment i i didn't see things the same way our judges did
0: and i think you know i was with you on that james and it was um, it was a difficult moment to watch as you know we were in agreement that we had thought that Russell was ahead on the cards going into the decision when it was read out. However, I think it's worth noting after the um, after the card I was speaking with Russell's coach and his grappling coach and one of our broadcast team members at Flex Fight Series, Dave Della Rocca, and he was man. telling us that the man, the myth, the legend, Dave Della Rocca, sleepy D Rock. He was saying in the corner that after the first round, he had actually thought that they had lost. So Russell was on top for most of all three rounds, I would say. And again, I want to go back and watch the fight and get exact times and everything. I think we were all in agreement that the grappling pressure was there and he was in control. But what Dave was saying and the reason that him and the rest of the corner thought that they had lost the first round was because Eli was landing shots from the bottom. And a couple of them were clean. Now, It's worth noting that whenever you're watching one of these fights, the three judges scoring at cage side are sitting at three different angles. So everybody's getting a different angle of the fight. This is probably going to come up later again when we talk about the main event. But in any case, the three judges scoring at cage side are getting three completely different views than everybody in the crowd than us in the broadcast booth. And certainly there were some things that we could have missed that would have led us to believe that Russell was ahead in that first round, but it could also come down to whether you value the grappling control over the strikes landed from the bottom. In any case, in any case, the no limits corner thought that they were down after the first round where the points of contention came in, were that they thought they clearly won the second round, which again, live, I would have been in agreement with that sentiment. And they had felt that the third round could have gone either way, which again, just from my perspective, from our perspective in the booth, it looked like the third round, like the other two rounds had gone for Petito. But my point is that perspective can change a lot of things when you're watching a fight, when you're, going around in your everyday life but certainly yeah, yeah. there are there are points to be made for each fighter how they could have won that fight and before I really go out and give an opinion on this if I even want to do that at all I think I'm, I'm with you that I want to go back and watch it again but what we can certainly recognize is that it was a fantastic effort from both fighters Guzman absolutely. and Petito
1: absolutely and, and like you said I mean we, I judge our our, ten, our tournament of Tiger Schulman's every six months and we've purposely spread out the three judges for exactly that reason three different angles you're going to see three different things. Sometimes it's clear enough you can see everybody will see the same thing, but sometimes you see different things, which is all the more reason for, me, for us to go back and watch the fight before we worry about commenting our opinion on the decision too much.
0: Most certainly we will do our due, due diligence there, but that was the final fight of the prelims and the first fight of the main card did not disappoint. Rodrigo Brauna came in, extended his undefeated record now to 3-0 and with a first-round knockout of Devin Thomas, and it was a brutal one in their featherweight feature to open the main card.
1: Yeah. Wow. Wow. What was so impressive about this, Rodrigo overcame an eye poke pretty early in the fight. um, And it it took him a couple minutes to get himself back together. Um, Understandably, if you've been poked in the eye, (laughs) you'll totally understand why it took him a moment. But uh, he comes back out pretty quickly after the the restart from the eye poke. Takes a little bit of a chance. So it's kind of like a, a crazy karate kid jump front kick uh, which he didn't really come close on but it got Devin to back up with his hands down and he landed in range and bang just uncorked his right hand that just took Devin down like a ton of bricks man it was like timber and then that shot hit you and I were watching like wait what just happened what just
0: happened (laughs) and then we sprinted downstairs to try to grab Rodrigo for uh, for our post-fight interview but like you said that right hand that landed flush and the setup well, it might not have been the most technical, as you mentioned, or it was technical, but maybe not the most orthodox of setups. He'd certainly got Thomas <laughs> to move back, and that set up the right hook that ultimately ended the fight, so congratulations to Rodrigo Brana. And then in the next fight of the evening, we had a championship on the line. It was Ronnie Rodriguez walking away the new Flex Fight Series Bantamweight MMA champion, getting the win over C of Val Cuevas. And... Our guy Dave Potter, that's his boy Ronnie Rodriguez. They got to uh, have that post-fight interview. And what did you think of Ronnie's performance in the championship fight?
1: I was very pleased with his performance. It, hard not to be. You know, it was a back-and-forth fight. If if, if, uh, if, 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 no, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. But uh, just a great performance by Ronnie. I, I was what I was most taken by, and pardon my distraction in this moment. But I was taken, and this is something as again a teammate, some trained people. When I watch somebody else watch their teammates. That moment is always so special to me. So it, Dave Potter, having the opportunity to watch his good friend, I definitely took even more of my attention than the awesome performance of Ronnie Rodriguez. And I was you know, watching the, the moment of them embracing as they got back up, as Ronnie got back upstairs with us. That's my, even though Ronnie's performance was spectacular, it certainly was. The moment that is the clearest in my mind is that super emotional moment. Uh, of uh, of Ronnie and, and David being able to celebrate that. that was There's not much in the world better than that.
0: And that really is what it's all about. One of the things that I really love about being involved with this promotion is that you get to see all of the camaraderie that the fighters have with their coaches and their friends and their training partners and everybody who has helped to build them up to the, uh, the points of success that they're at in their careers now and will continue to in the future. So again, a great moment there for Ronnie Rodriguez. But in the following fight, and I love how our matchmaker, Chris Machi, set this up. The challenger to that title was going to be determined in the number one contender fight in the following bout. Charlie Cabrera was able to pull out a decision over Justin Klein at Bantamweight. Again, the number one contender fight there. They are next up now. Charlie Cabrera versus Ronnie Rodriguez for the Bantamweight title. What do you think on the way that Charlie got there?
1: Uh, again, overcoming adversity. To me, that that's defining a fighter in a nutshell. And Charlie had to weather some early adversity. Justin came out and did a great job imposing as well in the beginning part of the first round. And then Char- Charlie started to turn things around. And as he turned things around, he just kept rolling like a tidal wave. And he was unstoppable once he got going, using all of his skills to just really wrest control away from Justin Klein. Justin Klein was it was in the driver's seat for a little while, and but Charlie Charlie Cabrera very quickly said, "No, that's not going to be happening anymore." Turned the fight around and did a spectacular job, you know. It's funny. He's he's in one small way, a part of the face of flex fights. There's uh, an awesome clip of him after one of his victories in our just "Ah!" And uh, it's shown like every highlight reel. So to see Charlie B continue to be successful in our cage is that much, that much sweeter.
0: He certainly is a developing star. I'm really looking forward to getting to see that fight between him and Ronnie and the rest of the fights in both of their fighters careers. But, again, a lot to get to here between that Bantamweight division. We have a lot of stars in the Bantamweight division right now, and that title fight is going to be crazy. And another crazy title fight we could have coming up is the next one with Yorick Anderson and Yorick, his personality is something that always stands out. He is a really funny guy. He's a really fun guy to have a conversation with, but he's also an incredible fighter. He's undefeated at four and and he is the new flex fight series featherweight mixed martial arts champion.
1: Yeah. And man, uh, not that you want to be kicked by many people, but definitely don't get kicked by Yurik. Wow, that dude can kick. <laughs> like I again, stepping back, looking at all of his skills, the highlights that I see of him, you know, we talked earlier about Stanislav and the dexterity of his legs. With Yark, it was the sheer power hitting one leg, stepping up right into the next, and just smashing his opponent in the arms and torso, and really taking all of the fight. It's really, really hard to keep moving forward and keep throwing punches when you're getting kicked in the body and legs and arms. Like it's people undervalue how much a shin on your arm takes the gas out of your arm, but let your friend punch you in the shoulder and then try to do anything with that arm. So, I mean, you're doing that with a shin. Oh, big power. And he came upstairs, barely looked like he broke a sweat.
0: You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I mentioned his personality earlier, and it's almost like his fighting style is indicative of his personality. You know, he's very what you see is what you get. He's a very genuine, authentic person fighting style. He's there to fight. He's there to kick you. He's there to throw volume, and he throws everything with intent. It's just really impressive and fun to watch, and he keeps himself safe while doing it. It's a very impressive striking style and overall mixed martial arts fighting style. Absolutely. Absolutely. We got to see a little more grappling in our next fight of the evening. Jesson Ramsharan. In the eighth fight of his career, he's able to move up to six and two now against a very tough opponent in Ben Levin. And again, to get it done with the grappling against somebody who's as strong in that department as Levin, very impressive for And
1: Another fight where we saw one fighter in the driver's seat for a good little while. Uh, if I'm recalling correctly, I believe Ben was on top for the majority of the first round. And uh, again, imposing his will, doing a good job there. And Eli came back and again, turned the fight around. That's to me, watching a fighter lose the first round and then come back and take victory, that speaks so much to, to their mentality. That speaks so much to the fighting spirit that they have. Because anybody can hold the wheel when the seas are calm. Anybody can move forward when things are going their way. But when momentum is pulling against you and you still press yourself forward and you still find a way to win, oh my God, that's that, that's so impressive to watch. And Justin did exactly that. More beautiful grappling on display, and it was—it's uh, was funny from our vantage point. If I'm, if uh, if you remember, we didn't quite see. Is it choking? Is the choking? Is the choking? And then right as they turn towards us, we get see, oh, that's big trouble. And it was a wrap from there.
0: Certainly, and Ramcharan is not a kind of guy that you would want to go to the ground with. His future opponents will certainly be wary of that, especially after this victory and. Another guy who was able to get it done on the ground and in the striking department, really a fully well-rounded game on display from Eli Evangelista and another featherweight title fight. He's now five and one on a five fight winning streak, five fight smashing, smashing streak as he put it in the, in the post-fight interview. What do you have on Eli's performance in this win over Wallace Alves?
1: I was, I got to commentate on Wallace on my first ever flex card. And I was blown away by Wallace's grappling ability then. So to see the way that Eli was able to just, shut down his grappling game completely was so impressive so impressive again an inspiring story i was a kid who started martial arts because i was super skinny i was like skinny as a rail and got bullied so to see eli who started martial arts because he was fat and got bullied i i relate to him on a deeper level but again man so impressive such a conditioned athlete his pace was so consistent you know, they talk often in fighting about dragging the fighter into the deep waters and letting them drown, and that is exactly what Eli did. He just he was the tidal wave, and Wallace just could not stop that tidal wave. You know, he everything he tried to mount, Eli had an answer for, and a lot of times that answer was his fist.
0: <laughs> it certainly was, and you mentioned the tidal wave. That's the part about that assessment that really stuck out to me, and that performance was almost, if you want to make a comparison, reminiscent of a Piotr Jan performance, how it just kind of – was steadily building and just got better and better as the fight went on. And as you mentioned, everything that Alves threw at Evangelista, he seemed to have an answer for. And by the end, it was just almost pure domination. Eli had worn him down and it was a really difficult fight for both guys, but Eli, again, an exuberant personality, a great guy, and a fantastic fighter. Great to see him having success in this championship fight as Steve Phelan, another Brooklyn MMA product had in the following Bantamweight championship fight, this title vacated by Rocco Jambrone not long ago. And, Phelan able to claim the vacant title, moving to six and three with this win over Jad al-Khadib by split decision.
1: This was just a tough fight, man. <laughs> like the, if you ask me, there's no better description. Just a tough, tough fight. Back and forth. Um, th- this was one of those those fights where, you know, though we had a little bit of controversy in the one decision earlier on in the night, this was not a a, a fight where you envied the judges. This was a fight where, like, okay, yeah. I get why this was a split decision and uh man just a tough fight and a gutty performance from both guys again this is one of those fights where neither guy can really hang their head even if you came out on the losing end of the decision
0: absolutely and congratulations to steve film the new champ and like you mentioned nothing to hang your head about for jad al-hadib they could run this back and it would be a uh, it would be a fantastic fight all over again i'm convinced of that and like you said did not envy the position of the judges when they had to turn in the cards for this one And One that was a little bit more clear to judge was the co-main event of the evening. The light heavyweight championship of Flex Fight Series was on the line. Jordan Tennyson came into hostile territory fighting against Nick Navarro, who was undefeated at the time. But Tennyson took that O off of Navarro's record. He climbs to three and two and is the new Flex Fight Series light heavyweight champion.
1: I'll preface all this with I love Nick Navarro. He's just the coolest dude. man. Like Again, got to meet him on my first Flex weigh-ins and super friendly guy, super kind. It was very welcoming. I was very happy that you know we were there and, and everything my wife got to sit, sit next to his mom for the whole first fight card and they chit-chatted the whole night big personality i i like to call him flex fights tom lawler because he's this big personality coming out in the luchador mask he's got a little bit of the josh barnett kind of style there in terms of his catch wrestling and so forth and man uh he try as he might try everything that nick could attempt to throw at jordan jordan had this spectacular answer to jordan big time wrestling experience, a two time regional champion. And that's, that's Nick's bread and butter is his ground game is his ability to get a hold of you. And Nick, there was a couple of times he had some submissions locked in. He, he got his, his scarf hold that he really liked. He's finished one of his fights with, and it was in pretty good, but Jordan was able to reverse position. And anytime Jordan got on top, it was very difficult for Nick to find an answer. And uh, I can't blame him. <laughs> Jordan's another man who's built like an Adonis and not only built like an Adonis, not only super strong, not only super skilled, but wow, it is a technical ability. You and I were discussing as we were watching the fight, our favorite takedown, Nick Navarro attempted early in the fight, the lateral drop, and Jordan Tennyson pulls this lat drop, and man, it was a thing of beauty. Beautiful arch, beautiful turn, and He <laughs> sending Nick Navarro got some freaking flyer miles for that one, but what a fight and great performance by Jordan Tennyson
0: certainly was you mentioned that lat drop and between a lot of the wrestling exchanges but especially in that one the cage was almost shaking man these guys are big boys they were cutting down to 205 they both got that weight back up by fight time big bodies moving around the cage at 205 and certainly worth noting that jordan Tennyson, he went through a hell of a lot to get to this fight and he went through a lot personally things with his family things with his health there were a lot of challenges for him going into this fight and he made it here in hostile territory by hell or high water, Jordan Tennyson got here to make this fight, and he walks away the champion, so congratulations to him. And obviously, again, nothing to hang your head about if you're Nick Navarro. That was, again, another really strong performance for him that I'm sure he will take lessons from going forward. And another fight that I think both fighters are going to be able to take some lessons from and move forward and improve upon the main event, which did not disappoint. I Abishar coming in. From Arizona, training at Extreme Katori's taking on Long Island MMA's Adam Livingston, the reigning defending champion of Flex Fight Series in the lightweight division. This fight was a banger. And again, there was a little bit of controversy at the end regarding the decision. We'll get into that a little bit more. Does come back to what we were saying before about the different perspectives of the fight. But I do really want to hear what your thoughts were watching that main event between Abishar and Livingston. Abishar walking away, the new Flex Fight Series lightweight champion.
1: One thing you're always taken with by Adam Livingston is the way he holds the crowd in the palm of his hand. Always. Like uh, he is, I have to say of all the flex cards that I've been to and however many people that we had fight from gyms that were well-represented the, I don't think any crowd goes as nuts as when Adam Livingston steps out. And that is certainly the case, which of course taints our view a little bit being in there live because uh, you know, as, someone there in the moment when you hear the crowd react every time that Livingston does something positively versus every time Loha does something positively, Loha, it, it's, it, it does take your view a little bit, but man, what I was so impressed with was how I took a shot and just kept coming. We've seen Adam Livingston hit some people with some big shots and no one stays standing when Adam Livingston hits them until he met Loha and he, <laughs> he hit Loha with shots that would would have put down, small elephants and uh i just kept coming back at him like that's all you got and it was interesting to see how adam reacted to that because we've seen it throughout many fighters careers when they have that that power that god-given gift that they go to and it doesn't work look at johnny hendrix right johnny hendrix was the man laying everybody out with that left hand and then he hit some people with the left hand and they didn't go anywhere and to watch how he reacted to it, he reacted to it one way. That started the decline of his career. Uh, at watching Adam try to go into different tools in his toolbox was certainly an interesting thing because Adam usually just shows us those hands that he has. And uh, he doesn't have the opportunity to show us much else because usually when he puts those hands on somebody, they're not standing up. Uh, and he put those hands on and But Loai, man, his grappling ability was very impressive. Anytime he took Adam down, anytime he wound up on top of Adam, Adam didn't – there was such a, a, a clear, high skill level for Loai that it was so hard for Adam to find the answers. You know, a- Anything that Adam did well to defend, Loai was just a couple of steps ahead. I just feel like he had a grappling advantage um, in, in that regard. He had a background in wrestling and judo, and you certainly saw that in his top pressure. I remember specifically one moment where he had side control – and as Adams doing everything right, trying to regain guard, trying to get some space, trying to under his way up, Loai's just riding the wave. Right, he's he's like a, like a, a rodeo rider. Just anywhere that Adam went, he counter moved and counter moved, and he played chess with him forever. And um, man, a, a great performance coming into very hostile territory, <laughs> because the, the Long Island MMA faithful certainly aren't shy to let you know that you're in hostile territory. But great victory for Loai. Um, I had, I had an awesome experience. You and I got to discuss later on um, post fight. I was walking low out. And as I was walking him out, Adam's father happened to be right outside and uh, his father and his brother. And sure they were heated in the initial moment when there's, when their son and brother lost the decision, but the exchange between low eye and Adam's father outside once tempers had cooled a little bit was, uh, it was beautiful. It's the kind of thing you want the sport to be about because it's, Adam's father says to to Loai, "You were exactly the type of matchup that my son needed to push him. And win or loss, you helped my son grow today." And I I was blown away. I was like, "That's you know, there's very few people you see who take a loss for their child so gracefully." And he certainly did. And hopefully, uh, Adam's able to take the loss as gracefully and grow from it as well. Uh, Both gentlemen mentioned this would be their their, uh, the end of their amateur careers as they make to look to move forward to pros. And that'd be certain, certainly would be a great pro debut for both of them. Let him run it back there.
0: Certainly. I mean, we mentioned that in Loey's post fight interview that, you know, we would like to keep the door open for that fight. And certainly so would he. He mentioned that. And I I really appreciate that you brought up the conversation with Mr. Livingston and just how much that takes. Like you said, you watch your son go to war with somebody and they're hitting each other in the face like that. First of all, just watching that alone has to be hard for any parent but to then see through the layers of it and understand that Loai and Adam were the perfect challenge for each other at this point in their careers. And when I was watching this fight, the thing that came to mind to me was that they did bring out the best in each other, but that wasn't what stuck out. What stuck out was that they brought out the animals in each other because that was a slobber knocker of a fight. It was technical at the beginning because they are both long technical fighters and they were both landing shots. Like you said, Adam landed a few clean right hands the kind of right hands that we've seen put down a lot of other men, but low, I was able to get through those shots and really challenge Adam. And I think that Adam was able to respond to that very well too. You mentioned the grappling pressure from low. I went really well for him, but when I say that they brought the animals out of each other, like they went to war. I have some videos on my phone from that third round of these two guys, just pouring it all out, letting it all hang out guts on the floor, swinging, just swinging, standing in the pocket, right hands. And technically too, but, they were both going for the finish. Neither of them felt comfortable to let that go to the judges. It went there. A split decision could have gone either way, in my opinion, certainly could have gone either way. I think, like you mentioned, a lot of the crowd that was there was in support of Adam Livingston. The crowd did not seem happy with the decision. But again, that's to be expected when you're fighting in New York and one fighter is from Queens that we're fighting in his backyard, the other one is from Arizona. Again, if you disagree with the decision, the judges are sitting at cage side in three different spots. They each had three different perspectives on that fight.
1: And I like noticed that even... like we said earlier, you and I watched it in the heat of the moment. And so it's unfair of us to really make a, to make claims as to what we think the decision should have been. We can tell you what we thought in the moment, but until we go back and really watch that fight again, taking the energy of the crowd and the fact that we have Adam fans all around us, until we can take that, that out of it. It's a little more difficult for us to say whether we agree or disagree with the judges, but it was very clear. Like you said, the cloud, the crowd did not seem to agree with the judges.
0: Well, in any case, you know, that, that fight could have gone either way. And I think that sentiment is going to hold up when we do go back and watch this again. And, that's another reason, a great reason to make this fight again with these two gentlemen as professionals. Get them back in there, get them paid for it. You know, this is going to be a, a longstanding potential, maybe not a rivalry, but a circling of each other. Cause I could see these guys coming back together either in the near future or as I said, maybe they run into each other in the UFC one day because that could very well be where both of them are going.
1: That would be awesome. That would be so awesome.
0: It really would. And um, when we look at this card top to bottom, we had 17 fantastic fights, competitive up and down high level action. And were there any closing thoughts or closing sentiments that you have about the event overall that we're walking away with heading into flex fights, 14 glow bash next month,
1: oh, man, I, I I just, every card that I'm a part of, I get more excited to do the next card. I, and one thing on, on my podcast that I released er, earlier today, as, as we are recording, I, I released my podcast, Sensei's weekly mindset. I'll find that wherever podcasts are found. Um, <laughs> I talked about one thing that we talked with uh, Chris about, Chris Machi, matchmaker for Flex Fights, uh, when we did our on Tucket promotion. And he mentioned, we're just competing with ourselves. And that's very much how I feel with Flex. Everything we do, we find a way to do it a little better the next time. Case in point, the exit interviews. Xandra and I did those um, at the last card, and we had some technical snafus. Things didn't go quite as well as we wanted them to go. You and I took the process, refined it, and I look forward to seeing how we're going to make this idea grow and how that's going to go. You, you and I are doing this specific idea and how this is going to grow. And then looking at the skills of these fighters. I, I was watching back the broadcast from Flex Fights 12, and uh, you had taken a step away from the chair next to me and up and up into the cage to substitute in for the uh, irreplaceable Drew Park. And uh, though the mandatory word for his job after your performance, just put it out there. And um, we were talking with Cody Payne and Cody mentioned something to the effect of how he was so impressed with the idea of how high level these amateur fighters were. And I'm blown away as well. And I started training over 25 years ago and the level of martial arts, it just grows every year. It grows. You see people making their debut that look like they have tons of fights because these people have been learning great skills from great coaches for a very long time. And it's always a treat. It's always a treat. Plus we get the best seats in the house. So pretty hard to complain.
0: Can never complain about our position. And that was a really cool, uh, a really cool perspective of the fight at flex fight series 13 when we were on the stage at Melrose ballroom looking in, but I really do want to come back to that point that you mentioned that we are, as Chris Machi said, almost competing with ourselves at this point that we, feel that we're doing the best job out here, you know, as far as any of the amateur promotions around the area, even the professional promotions around the area and stepping up every single time. Like you said, the exit interviews, I think we're getting better at that. I can't wait to see how the recap show grows. Like you said, I'm with you on that, but every single piece of the show and we would be remiss to not mention all of the hard work done behind the scenes by people like Angelica and by Ashley, who helped to handle all of the uh, coordination that needs to get done. Everything with the fighters um, the cage crew, Harrison, our our intern helping to run everything behind the scenes, top to bottom, everybody on the broadcast crew, everyone involved, countless others that I don't have time to mention right now, but countless people who are just completely dedicated to putting on the best show that we possibly can, each with the common thought in mind that it is all for the fighters and that this is to build a stage for them and to turn them into superstars and showcase the moments that they create. And like you said, I'm just having a blast doing and I'm happy that I get to get the best seat in the house to exactly. view all this action.
1: If, if anything, it's a great, is a great uh, encapsulation as to how much the fighters appreciate what we do. Every fighter I've spoken to post-fight has always said something to the effect of, I'll fight for you guys anytime. Which, you, do, you don't get a better endorsement than that. You don't get a better endorsement than that.
0: You really don't, you know, and that's something that I hear a lot from the fighters who either fight in this promotion or the teammates who see their teammates fighting four flex fight series they're with us on this nobody else does it like this and this is where a lot of the fighters want to be where else do you have the pyro and the big screen in the back and your highlight video drew park yelling out your name and everything on instagram the promotion a lot is done here to promote the fighters and we're only doing more and more every card every month if you are a fighter in the area it's pretty clear at this point flex fight series is the place you want to be fighting the highest level competition on the biggest stage
1: absolutely any closing thoughts for you Tej?
0: Those are pretty much my closing thoughts. I mean, I just can't wait. I'm really happy we only have to wait a little over two weeks until the next event. Flex Fight Series 14 is going to be taking place back at the Stereo Garden. We got another Battle Garden Series card. This one is going to be Glow Bash. I can't wait to see what we do with that. Glow Stick's going to be everywhere. It's going to be a glow party. And uh, there are going to be some glowing fights. A lot of high energy there. Knockouts, I'm sure. Submissions, I'm sure. In any case, they're all going to be competitive, and I'm excited to be back at the Stereo Garden on June 16th, June 17th, correction, June 17th, for Flex Fight Series 14. For James Leonelli, I'm TJ Ragusa. This has been an absolute pleasure to do this recap show and we really are looking forward to the next one, looking forward to seeing you at Flex Fight Series 13. Those tickets are available via TicketLeap.com. The pay-per-view pre-order is available at ThrowdownSports.com.
1: You can watch our on-demand of the Battle for Brick City on Throwdown Sports. If you didn't get to be there in person, Don't miss that on demand.
0: That's right. Don't miss what you missed. Go check it out. Catch yourself up on all the Flex Fight Series action before the next card, and we will see you there.